This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. Good morning and welcome to America's Roundtable this weekend, and it is Thanksgiving weekend. This weekend on America's Roundtable, we are truly honored to have an American patriot joining us, former U.S. Congressman David Brad and Dean of the School of Business at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. From 2014 to 2019, Dr. Brad served on the House Budget Committee and is member of the House Freedom Caucus. He led the charge in Congress for a more fiscally responsible budget process. In addition to his role as the Dean of Liberty University School of Business in Virginia, he also served as the President of the Virginia Association of Economists and serves on the International Leaders Summit's Executive Advisory Board. And on this note, a happy Thanksgiving and welcome, Congressman David Brad. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome. Thank you, Natasha, Joel. Thank Thanksgiving to you, and uh, God bless everyone listening. Thank you. Congressman Brad, uh, from your experience serving in Congress, representing Virginia from 2014 to 2018, what can the House, which is now controlled by Republicans, accomplish in order to reduce government spending and increase the supply of fossil fuels in America? Yeah, well, that, that's a good question. And actually, I, in the past, when the House has flipped party, uh, they've never passed an omnibus budget. Uh, they've always waited for January to let the people uh, decide. And so that's one interesting data point. And then the other interesting data point is even uh, John Boehner, uh, back in the day, fought uh, hard uh, and uh, against Obama and obtained a uh, CR that... Uh, bumped up uh, the military only, but kept the rest of the budget flat. And uh, then in the next two CRs, it got a 1% reduction in spending. And so that's what we can do, right? Those are the precedents that have been set uh, that show if the House uh, stays strong, they can do some serious good work on, on reducing spending. And then my friend Tom Massey in, uh, in Kentucky, Congressman Massey, <laughs> had a great idea. Everybody knows the mainstream media and the left is going to be attacking Republicans for budget shutdowns and debt ceiling increases and the full faith and credit, national insolvency and all this. And so he's got a very clean solution this January 4, in order to avoid all of that, because the, the next omnibus will be due next October in, in 23, 10, you know, 10 months out. And uh, all you got to do is pass a CR that... Uh, that uh, funds 95% of government and do a 5% clip because we can't afford uh, these, these budgets anymore. And so it's brilliant because then uh, no one can argue that we're trying to shut the government down. So on January 4 of this year, coming up in, in a month, you just pass a continuing resolution uh, 
that funds the government uh, all the way through at 95%. And so can be no argument. And uh, it's a brilliant solution. And uh, he mentioned that in the House conference and got uh, widespread applause for it. I mean, that's wonderful to hear, actually. I mean, obviously, there was a commitment to America that hasn't been really featured in the media much. And some actually made an analogy that that was very similar to what Gingrich did with the Contract for America. Yeah. So would you say that uh, is there a way to get to some kind of a balanced budget principle eventually? Uh, not with that document. That was very generic. And the difference between Gingrich and the current leadership is they don't have Gingrich. In other words, they don't have a strong leader uh, that's going to follow through on any of it. And so uh, in addition to that, the uh, current House leadership fought against any of the uh, Freedom Caucus candidates with tens of millions of dollars. Gessley Vega, for example, didn't get $10 million, uh, which would easily won her, uh, uh, her race along with many others like her, and they say this is poor candidate selection. She's about the best candidate you could hope for. Judeo-Christian tradition, Hispanic woman, law enforcement background, head of the county chairman, all this kind of thing. Quite prepared, very mature, very kind person, uh, minus $10 million from uh, McCarthy and the House leadership. And so uh, that added up uh, across the way. And so, yeah, right now... uh, a small band still can uh, get their way if they hold out. All they need is, you know, 10 House members uh, to stay strong on any issue they want, and they're, they can get their way, or at least to compromise. So that that's the good news. Right. Uh, Congressman Brad, uh, inflation is in October to 7.7% year-on-year, uh, down from 8.2% in September. Uh, the core uh, CPI, which excludes energy and food prices, was down from 6.6%, which was the 40-year high in September, to 6.3% in October. Uh, however, various economic reports are discussing inverted yield curve these days, yeah. which has moved to its most extreme level since the 1982 recession. And whenever there was a large drop in long-term bond yields combined with higher short-term yields, over the last two decades, in each case, a recession followed. Now, based on the leading economic indicators and taking into account the Treasury yield curve, would you say that America is heading into a recession? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think it's 100% of economists uh, are saying, and I'm not joking there, there's going to be a recession in the first and second quarters of 23. It's just a matter of the degree. And what did you lead off on that question? You led off with something interesting there, too. What was the first part of that question? Right. So the first part is that inflation is going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, yeah, yeah. Someone but, would take that right. it peaked already, yeah. right? Yeah, and that that's a little bit of mythology also from an economic point of view. The economics literature is pretty clear, and Deutsche Bank uh, put out the uh, the mature mainstream position within economics, and that is, uh, and this is a 100-year study with over 100 countries, anytime your country experiences over uh, 9% inflation or 8% inflation, which we did, everybody starts singing all this nice uh, cheerleading songs about how inflation's on its way down. The facts show that once you cross 8 or 9%, you will have at 5 to 6% inflation for the next five years. So even though it appears to be coming down a little bit right now, it's baked in the cake, right? And so you've got the wage rates now in the labor markets building in these inflation expectations. 
And all the evidence shows from the mainstream economics profession that uh, you should expect to have uh, at least 5% inflation for the next five years. And even the Fed says they're not going to be anywhere near their goals until 2025, which is, you know, over three years out. And the reason that is, is because uh, monetary policy has at least a six month to one year lag. So they're bumping up the, the federal funds rate right now, right, to 2%, 3%, 4%. Most people say they got to get to 5%. So they're not even done going up. And then it takes a year after they raise those interest rates uh, to have the economic impact to slow down the economy and get rid of inflation, right? So then it kicks in uh, a year later, and then you begin the process. And so that's why uh, the Wall Street financial crew and the Federal Reserve all have the incentive system on their side to report positive, happy news, right? Wall Street, J.P. Morgan, Chase, all these Merrill Lynch, all the brokers, they, they want it. They, you never hear them say bad news, right? It's always things are going to be great. The market's going up. Uh, it hasn't been true for the past 20 years. They've been dead wrong on all their forecasts. So go look up that Deutsche Bank paper if you're interested. Right. And, you know, when we look at Milton Friedman's um, definition of inflation, as he defined it as too much money chasing too few goods. And if we turn to the supply side economics, uh, starting by increasing domestic supply of fossil fuels, which would bring down the cost of energy, spur more economic activity, more production, wouldn't that higher economic growth and more goods to absorb that excess of money have accomplished the same goal rather than further increasing of interest rate, which combined with increasing government spending and printing money are resulting in slowing down of growth and upward pressure on inflation. Yes, but as Milton Friedman said, money is the ultimate determinant. So you could do whatever you want on the supply side with oil and energy, which is hugely important and obviously does trigger uh, and, and sustain inflation. But right now, it's important for everybody to realize we're still stimulative. Our monetary policy is not contractionary. But the news you hear, you, you would think they're, they're causing Armageddon and the end of the ages. But the reason you know that is because the inflation rate is still 7% and the interest rate is only 4%. So you still have negative real rates, which right. is very stimulative. And so we still got too much money. And then we'll see what the, uh, what the uh, House and Senate do in the lame duck if they spend another couple trillion. Then the energy policy doesn't matter at all. If this country decides to get sanity again uh, and, and have energy independence and uh, full-spectrum energy dominance across all uh, pieces of the energy puzzle, that there's no doubt you're right, right? That's going to that's gonna heighten expectations uh, that the economy can be great again, uh, which is what ne- you need, right? Those animal spirits, uh, going back to Adam Smith and Schumpeter and all that. Uh, you got to get that. And energy, having a renewed uh, real energy policy instead of an environmental religion, right, with this COP27, Germany's going to freeze this winter, Mm. and their elites are over there doing more crazy uh, progressive liberal energy policy. You just can't make it up. And so I I, I wish the American people would understand these things, but apparently they don't, judging based on the last election cycle. Yeah, that's very true, as we are just continuing to see our American taxpayer dollars just going 
uh, for all these various projects domestically, yeah. but also on the international front. Yeah. In fact, the New York Times uh, had an article just a month ago titled, Ukraine is weakened by corruption, so is it stymieing the Russians? And I quote, Certainly weird things keep happening. In July, President Zelensky fired the prosecutor general and the leader of the domestic intelligence agency. And the Financial Times reported that the recently resigned central bank governor was said to have fled the country as anti-corruption investigators served a notice of suspicion for a senior official matching his professional description, unquote. And interestingly enough, Professor Steve Hankey, uh, that you know at the Johns Hopkins University, a, a great friend of the America's Roundtable radio program has communicated his concerns and we are certainly all very supportive of Ukrainian freedom fighters trying to wage this war against Russia and Putin and reclaiming their sovereign territory but the dollars that are going are extraordinary. In fact if Biden and Democrats in the House and the Senate pass this huge spending for Ukraine, the fledgling nation will get 91.7 billion dollars. Now Dr. Steve Hanke puts that into perspective. We're looking at $97 billion, and when you compare that to the 2021 military budgets for the countries like India, which spent only $76 billion, or to the UK, which spent $68 billion, Russia spent $66 billion, and Germany just $56 billion. So here we're giving a huge amount of money uh, to a country that is experiencing rampant corruption, and there appears to be no oversight whatsoever. Uh, Congressman Brad, shouldn't the House Republican leadership on Capitol Hill review these funds that are being spent and perhaps establish a more strategic oversight group, a principal group of leaders to monitor where these funds are going to before we spend more money sending it to Ukraine? Yeah, I think that you're probably going to have a subgroup of, of- you know, that, that required 20 or 30 or 40 or whatever, they're going to say absolutely no more money, right? It's, it's like 90 billion current spending. Uh, there's reports out there. It'll take a trillion to rebuild their economy and uh, about the same amount we're doing now every year. And so, you know, you're right about the, the tragic part about the people fighting, but Mearsheimer had it right back in 2014. You don't mess with a, bu- a buffer state. Everybody now knows, right, the, the, the Biden family is compromised there. Uh, billionaires are laundering money through there, always have. That's been a source. The military-industrial complex is getting their payday through this. We're, we're putting lives at risk in, in, of Americans coming up, and Ukrainians are getting killed by the day. we got to get to the peace table immediately and just demand and enforce a peace uh, before there's even more damage. Because picture, we're in a skirmish on Russia's border. It'd be the equivalent of somebody having an attack on, from Mexico into the United States, right? Putting arm, massive tanks and armaments into Mexico on our border. Uh, would we put up with that? No, right? So it's just, it's just obvious. We, we never should have been goofing around with the euro. This is all the globalists that play, right, with these NATO claims and with these euro claims, et cetera. And uh, they've got everything in mind except the lives of the Ukrainian people and the American people and Europe, et cetera. And so uh, it's a disaster. And, yeah, I I think the American people are going to call for a swift retraction of this spending. 
Absolutely. Congressman Dave Brett, we always appreciate your prudent counsel, your straightforward talk on some of these key issues of our day. Uh, We truly thank you for your time uh, this Thanksgiving weekend joining us, and we wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. And thank you so much for your continued leadership on the vital issues of our day. And uh, we certainly appreciate your leadership at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Thank you, Congressman Brad, and happy Thanksgiving. Thanks to both of you. And people can look for this economic stuff at Brat Economics on Getter. And you'll find all the economic uh, papers and backdrop for what we've been talking about. And then tonight I'm on the War Room uh, at about 6 p.m. for a special hour-long Thanksgiving piece on the Judeo-Christian tradition and all the, the principles and theology and philosophy that's made this country great. Wonderful. Thank you so much indeed. Thank you. And blessings to you. Blessings. Blessings back, you guys. Have a great day. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan Insami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable.